Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Crusher. Today's guest is Mr. David Horowitz. David is the author of The Radical Mind, The Disruptive Plans of the Woke Left. Uh, I can't tell you uh, how happy I am to have David here today. Uh, He's been a major inspiration for me and a big part of my education over the decades. Um, Just to fill everybody in very quickly, if you don't know David, uh, David grew up in a communist home, red diaper baby. He becomes the editor of Ramparts in the 60s. He's out there on the left. Uh, a major force on the left. He becomes what we often call a second thoughts conservative by late 70s, early 80s, and becomes one of the uh, leading intellectual figures of our time. His book, Radical Son, is one of the most important uh, autobiographies written in the last hundred years. And I would encourage everybody to go get it immediately. Uh, the book, of course, you can find David at frontpagemag.com. He is the head of the David Horowitz Freedom Center, and I welcome him to the show today. David, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, man. I've been in touch. All right. Well, it's great to see you. All right, David, look, I, I want to get into the radical mind, and then we're going to touch on a couple other uh, sort of related topics. Why don't I start here, David? We've got the book, The Radical Mind. And this is, I think, three dozen books you've written. Is that right? Around somewhere about three dozen? Probably. Or more. All right. David, I'm going to start with this. Most people don't spend a lot of time thinking about cultural Marxism or the deep roots of the left in our culture. So, but what, what they do see around them is they get a general sense that something is wrong. You know, the Democratic Party, It's some people realize it's been pulled far to the left. Maybe it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. They're getting a sense that some things are very wrong. Uh, but why don't you tell me what's happening with the Democratic Party now? Let's do this in a general sense for folks who don't, like me, spend that much time. I spend a lot of time thinking about cultural Marxism. But uh, let's talk in terms that, that, you know, regular everyday people can understand as to what's gone on with the Democratic Party. Well, first of all, it's been a 50-year development. The left, Tom Hayden was the leader of the left, staged a riot at the Democrat Party convention in Chicago in 1968. And his agenda in creating this riot, they attacked the police. It was a riot. Um, Was the aim was to destroy Hubert Humphrey's electoral chances, because Humphrey was a he was a down the line liberal, but he was an anti-communist, and the new left um, was really created by children of the old left, which was the communist Stalin-loving left that I grew up in. Um, and they proceeded over the next 50 years to take over the Democrat Party. And you now have, I mean, it's beyond communist is almost, you know, not a strong enough uh, word 
to describe what's going on. We have tens of thousands of young people, particularly at elite universities, marching in the streets calling for a rerun of the Holocaust. Uh, these people are supporting a movement, Hamas, which is worse than the Nazis. Hitler uh, hid the final solution, which is what he called the elimination of the Jews. Uh, the Wannsee meeting was a secret meeting. Um, the death camps were all uh, created or uh, held in, in countries like Poland, not in Germany. And that was because Hitler um, correctly believed the Germans were too sophisticated, too civilized a people to accept uh, the massacre of an entire race of people, their elimination. As a, as, a, as a progressive step, they, these Arabs shouted from the rooftops. They've been conducting a 75-year war against Israel, whose sole uh, purpose is the uh, extermination of the Jews of the area. Yeah. Um, so, 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 David, let, let me stop you there. What is it now... See, what is it now about the Democratic Party that people don't get? Because I, I remember before well, my parents... are afraid to speak. Well, let's put it this way. Look, we have a president who, who's an arch criminal. So Joe Biden has more blood on his hands uh, and the blood of Americans. We're losing in the fentanyl uh, crisis, so-called. We're losing more young people every year than we lost soldiers in World War II on an annual basis. And Biden has yet to do anything to stem the flow of fentanyl across the border or to hold China accountable. I mean, they, they provide the materials out of which the poison is manufactured. They have most favored nation trading status. They're getting all kinds of aid and uh, business from us. And uh, they haven't... And this has been going on now for years. And, and, there's no, and there's no resemblance to the JFK party anymore. In fact, I would suggest, David, there's no resemblance to even the 1992 Bill Clinton party anymore. No. No. Well, the Democrat Party has been at war, uh, has been attempting to establish a one-party state for about 30 years now. Um. And you can tell it in the language they use to demonize Republicans. You can't have a democracy if you're calling the other side uh, basically uh, traitors, racists, uh, Nazis, white supremacists. Right. And, and there's one thing to have commentators saying it. It's quite another to have it coming out of the mouths of White House spokesmen, which is what... Yep. What we have. Well, 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 let's let's talk about that for a moment here in, in the radical mind. You talk about being in a battle of words. They're calling you white supremacists and Nazis. And in return, you're calling them liberals. And right. if you're doing that, you're losing the war. That's a losing battle. And that I spent the last 30 years trying to wake Republicans up. But they have to use terms that are accurate. So you have here's Joe Biden. He's 
taken 20, 30, 50 million dollars in bribes from our enemies. Um, he's created, you know, they, they used to say, like in the days of Nixon and Watergate, that the cover-up tells you everything. The cover-up is the important thing. And here you have Biden has created 20 shell corporations to hide where the money is coming from, to whom it's going, and what it's for. Um, well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know what this money is for. If China is bribing America, the American president, that can't be good for the rest of us. No. Well, let's let's define two let's define two terms for the audience, David. They're very vexing terms for most people. They don't quite get them. One of them is in the title of your book. The word is woke. I want you to tell me what woke means, and then I want you to tell me woke what a, social justice means. Those woke, two terms. Okay, well, woke is an evasion. Woke is a, is a leftist term to hide, to make it sound like they're enlightened. That's, that's where the woke comes from. Uh, when, you know, they're idiots. They're trying to rerun all the disasters of the 20th century. Their closest models are Nazi Germany and Stalinist Russia and Maoist China. And uh, they've been engaged in these battles um, on, the, on the wrong side. And their charges that America's white supremacists are ludicrous. America, the, every African slave shipped across the Atlantic to America was enslaved by black Africans. Black Africans enslaved these slaves. They were bought by Europeans. So the Europeans were buying into an existing business. Um, and the Americans, of course, there were other Europeans, but the American colonizers declared in their Declaration of Independence as from being colonies, uh, that all men are created equal and that every individual has a God-given right to liberty, which can't be taken away because it was given by God. And within a very short period of time, uh, slavery was eliminated in America and then Britain and France and, and America went across the globe to destroying so, slaves. So, so, so David, now... Tell so, me, we're going to get to that in a bit. Tell me about the words social justice, because yeah. that sounds so lovely, David. Well, it would if there was a, something called society, which could dole out justice. What does social justice mean? It means the party in power gets all this money from, uh, commands all this money from taxpayers and uses it to line the pockets of their friends. That's basically what it's about. All these social programs are vote-buying programs. Uh, it has no meaning whatsoever. 
Okay, so now you just touched on something I want to double back to. You you have a, an entire section called White Skin Privilege. I, David, I've been wrestling with the concept, David, that this country, since Martin Luther King's assassination, has moved off of equality and has moved on to equity, which is another brand of racism. And that we have dispensed with the idea that we are all created equal. Why don't you reflect on that? Well, created equal means that we're all created by the same creator. I mean, America is, American democracy has a religious basis. Without the religious basis, there's no American democracy. I'm an agnostic, but I have I have to respect the fact that all of our freedoms are derived from a religious foundation. Um, the, I forgot what the your question was. Well, my question is: uh, Have we dispensed with the notion of equality? Yeah, and have we? And the people look, David, equal. That's the basic fact. People are not equal. If you're equal, I mean, try sort of taking one one shot that Steph Curry takes. Uh, you know, try right. doing what Elon Musk did in, in becoming, I guess he's the richest man in the world. But the creativity that that involved. He invested $100 million in a company that was uh, growing plants on Mars and and created, it really is, is the American space program now. You think you think you could do that? I mean, you know how- no, but In the eyes of the law, David, in the eyes of the law, we're to be equal. And here's what's bothering me. What I'm getting at here, David, is this. Martin, Go ahead. Martin Luther King holds up our founding documents and says, we are not being treated uh, under this system of natural rights the way that we should be treated. And, and to me, this was a significant moment. You remembered very well. And he says, we, we're equals in the eyes of the law. I know in the eyes of, in, in terms of ability, we're not all equals, but we're all equals in, in terms of the law. So he holds up our founding documents. And now, People want to tear down everybody who created the founding documents. And, well, and it, I think we're just bonkers. And, and, and Martin Luther King. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Let's talk for... I mean, okay, you, I mean, what Joe Biden has shown is the great inequalities in individuals. If, if 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 a racist, if a white supremacist wanted to discredit black people, he would make all the appointments that Joe Biden has made to White House positions, like we have daily Kareem Jean-Pierre, moron, what an inept liar, uh, presenting, speaking for the government. Uh, we have Mayorkas. I mean, the, the, these people, it's a disgrace that these people were ever appointed. And they were appointed by a racist, Joe Biden, 
because of their skin color and gender. Let's talk about Mayorkas. And then we're, well, I'm just going to get your thoughts on the border. Everybody's uh, heard what I have to say. I'm completely convinced, David, that this whole idea of no ID to vote and an open border with 10,000 people or more every single day coming in here illegally is to change the demographics of the country, is to change uh, states from red to blue and to overrun our system and overburden our system. And this is a, a heinous crime to me. The delusional, uh, the delusional vision that the White House has about, about their breaking of American laws. I mean, the decision to destroy the border was made illegally by uh, Obama first and then by Biden. Unconstitutionally, they don't. Obama was on television 21 times saying he didn't have the authority to change immigration law, which is true, can only be changed by the Congress. Um, but they went, then he went ahead and did it anyway, because he knew he could get away with it. These are gangsters. That's the only way you can see uh, the Obamas and the Bidens, the Bidens in particular. Uh, they, they think that all they're doing is changing the demographics because they, they don't see that America, present-day America, is created by 200 years of debates over values, of law-setting, of culture-creating, of school systems, and so forth. So you have invited into this country criminals. Uh, not everybody coming across the border is a criminal. But in my book, I, I give uh, the statistics are quite frightening. Yeah. Um, the Justice Department did a study of illegal immigrants or illegal invaders, as I prefer. Uh, I don't know. Well, I don't know if it's in this book. Um, there, uh, there were, in 2018, 700,000 700, illegal aliens in American prisons. They had committed a million drug crimes. Uh, they were responsible for uh, 700 million or 700,000 arrests. Uh, four, no, 4.9 million arrests get to my age, and memory is a problem here. 4.9 million arrests, which shows that they're recidivists. They've been arrested more than once. Uh, kidnappings, rapes, all in the 100,000 range. And that, 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 that was the year 2018. That, that where there were much fewer illegal immigrants entering the country than now. Out of 8 million people, you know you've got a million violent criminals. Yep. Yeah, so, Americans are going to pay for this for a century. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about what I like to call the, the Soviet-style takedown of Donald Trump. 
Um, I'm old enough to remember, for example, Soviet Jewry in the 70s. I'm old enough to remember what happened to Natan Sharansky, people like this. I'm, I'm old enough to have, when we were in school, David, even at my age, we were told about how the Soviet system functioned. I don't know if anybody's educated about this anymore. But I look at the way these kangaroo courts that they've set up for Trump. These are kangaroo courts, David. Yeah, and, like, and I don't know if people get this. Like the Stalin show trials in the 30s to get rid of all the communist opposition to Stalin. And that's basically what it is. Do people get that? Does I think half the country does. I, you know, the left has been influential in our universities now for even before they took them over. Um, the, I, my, the last college I spoke at, I've spoken at about 100, 400 uh, college campuses, was Dartmouth. And I asked the conservative kids I met with, they were all history majors. I said, uh, do you have a course in the Cold War? And they said, yes. And I said, and who teaches it? And they said, a, a Marxist who wanted the Soviet Union to win. <laughs> so that's the education our kids have gotten. Yeah. 60,000 years to be brainwashed in communist well, You've written, I think, multiple books about the takeover of the universities. Um, I've. Five, yeah, no, okay. So let me ask you this then. Tell me, as a man of the left in the 60s, are there things about the way that the leftist virus is spreading that you didn't foresee that actually surprised speed. you? Speed. Ah. It's the speed. I didn't, I, and of course, a lot of it has to do with the destruction of our immigration laws by Biden and, uh, and Obama. I mean, how many of those people chanting in the streets are here illegally, or wouldn't and other, or have been given a pass to get in by people who are sympathetic to their hate America agendas? You know, David, a few years back. You sent me your book, The New Leviathan. And I think a lot of people still believe that the money is on the right with all these country club Republicans and the money is with the conservatives. And you laid out in stark detail. You just have it on the news. The IRS has allowed, uh, allows these left-wing universities like Harvard uh, to be treated as charities uh, and nonpartisan tra ch charities. So uh, that translates into billions of dollars that are taken out of the taxpayers' pockets and put in the pockets of Harvard and UPenn and so forth, and MIT. Uh, in, in my book, uh, I, I did charts which showed that the left 
as 13 times the money that the right has in in use in corrupting our political culture. Um, it didn't receive one review from a conservative. Conservatives were asleep. They're just waking up. And that's the big change that's happened. Uh, everything is everything is open now. David. The, the party is in the is is being split down the middle. Um well, let me ask you this then. You know, finally, oh, good. I, you know, you, all, you can only reach so many people with a book. Uh, but people are seeing on their TV screens when they see these two uh, hating crypto Nazis in the streets. Um, that's a wake up call. And it's really affected. It's affected both the Republican mentality and the Democrat. Well, listen, uh, I'm Jewish. You're Jewish. I know you call yourself agnostic, but we're both. I'll be in line for those (laughs) gifts. I know. I'll be right there with you. In fact, my last name starts with a B, so I'll be ahead of you. But but let me ask you this, David, because this is important for us to talk about. Uh, I'm cynical. I don't know if Jewish Americans wake up. I can't. I, I don't know how. When do we wake up? When, David? Do you know who Michael Rappaport is? Yeah, the he's actor. A, he's a lunatic actor, leftist, yeah. and he's always ranting about yeah. how horrible Trump is. And right. Okay. Well, he went into a rant the other day, which is on uh, YouTube. Um in which he was so horrified by what the Democrats have done vis-a-vis Hamas that he said voting for Trump is on the table. So I I don't know where he's going to wind up, and I don't think too much of him anyway. <laughs> Even but, wait, like- but, but David, wait a minute. When you hear, look, when you hear the ADL is, is, is congratulating Biden, thanking him for all his support, and... Are we ever going to get it, David? Are we are we really ever going to get it? Maybe ninety percent of the political process is corrupt. Corruption. People don't speak from principle, or the people who do are, you know, prophets crying in the wilderness, basically. So it's what's happening at the at the ground level. When you see this massive defection of black voters and Hispanic voters from the Democrat Party, you know the world is changing. Well, let's 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 conclude with this, David, uh, and maybe a, a couple other odds and ends. But I'm going to reflect on something in the last fifty, and it is exactly fifty years. Fifty years ago was really the last time that Arab nations took their armies and went to fight the Jewish state's armies in any kind of a, we'll call it, normal war effort. There have been massacres of Jews, like back in the late 20s, et cetera, and on and on. But, I, I, David, I don't think people understand now that for the past 50 years, the Arabs have devoted themselves to what Yasser Arafat told the Arab League they ought to do uh, in the 60s, which is 
terrorize. Don't raise an army, terrorize. So I don't get if people really get what war is versus a war against a terrorist effort. Hiding behind civilians. Well, I think that, look, the problem is everything that, that the Hamas Nazis say is a lie. Every, every slogan, uh, Israel doesn't occupy one square inch of Arab territory, the territory that Israel was created on, and it was created the same way Jordan, Syria, Iraq, Lebanon were all created, belonged to the Turkish Ottoman Empire for 400 years prior to when the Jews were granted that land by the victorious allies in World War I. Um, Turks are not Arabs, let alone Palestinians. So that's a lie. The occupation, apartheid is a lie. Israel's the only non-apartheid state in the Middle East. If you sell land to a Jew and you live, you're an Arab on the West Bank, you get the death penalty. That's, that's apartheid. Um, but to, to explain all this stuff, you have to read. And most people are not reading. They're watching television and they're, and they're on the Internet. But you can go up on the Internet now and you can see the lectures, several of them, by the son of one of the founders of Hamas, uh, who will set you straight. And I'll, I'll bet you'll listen to this guy where you, you know, you and I could talk ourselves silly and we wouldn't be reaching people. So you, when there's a, a shift under the ground and it's like the tectonic plates are moving, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. But you can see pretty well by the defection of blacks and uh, Hispanics. Um, and it's interesting, too, because... There's a lot of, uh, as we know, anti-Semitism in the Christian community. Um, but that hasn't prevented the Hispanic... I believe the Hispanic uh, population is going to save this country. It has strong family values, a strong work, work ethic, and they're patriotic. They, they're you know, our, our core of our military establishment. Um, so you just don't know what's going to happen. And I, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that what Good. does happen is, is going to take us out of this cesspool we're in. All right, David, let's, let's finish with this. I, uh, I have a sinking feeling that Republicans might be falling into a trap. As much as I'd like to see Donald Trump come back to the presidency, I think he would be more soundly beaten by a different candidate. And, and I really believe that when you look at the center of the country... I think the center would vote. What? I think the center would vote for Haley or DeSantis 
before the center of the country would vote for Trump. I may be wrong. What do you think? I wouldn't vote for Haley at all. Um, but no, I think you're wrong. Okay. The, the Trump has tested. People constantly forget that Donald Trump is the only incumbent president who increased his vote the second time, despite all the slander thrown at him. Yeah. Um, he, he's cleaned up his act a little bit, which is good. Um, but he's tested. 74 million votes. No, no political candidate ever got that running for president before Trump. And, you know, if you, if you believe that Biden got 80 million, I got a bridge to sell you. But uh, I, I think that I'm more concerned that even Trump has the cojones to do what needs to be done. I want to see them defund these universities. I want to see them yeah. uh, define what a tax-exempt organism. Well, if we have the definitions, the IRS, I want to see the whole leadership of the IRS can uh, and and get in a leadership that enforces their own principles so that we don't have this subsidy. You know, when I, when I left the left, people would ask me, who funded you guys? Cuba, Russia? I said, no, you did. Well, there were all, all these leftist organizations that are very good at figuring out how to get money out of the philanthropic world and, and out of the government. It's so, this idiotic theory, intersectionality. Let, let me, because that, that's, I'm, I'm almost most pleased with, in my book with this section I've written on intersectionality. The left has this idea that society is like a totem pole and on the top of the world, white males that oppress everybody. Then you have white females who are oppressed by men but who oppress everybody else? Then you and you go down. Then you have blacks and and uh, Ilan Omar is always fond of saying how many times and how many different ways she's oppressed. So at the bottom of the totem pole are black lesbians, and uh, they're supposed to be powerless, marginalized. This is such baloney. The, the idea that black people are marginalized is a insane. joke. It's insane. Uh, they're, they're center of national attention and, and government privilege. President of the United States, Secretary of State, heads of unions, heads of school boards. I'll lose my thought. That black Lives Matter is led by, was created by, and is still led by three women. They raised, and they're all lesbians, and they're all advocates of this idiotic idea of intersectionality. And the, the United States government has spent hundreds of billions of dollars doing research into intersectionality. How powerless and, are, and marginal are the Black Lives Matter lesbians? Let's see, they raised $100 billion from the major American corporations. Then they stole the money 
to buy themselves and their lovers and whatever else of mansions and houses. Uh, they attacked over 200 cities and torched them, destroying downtown shopping centers. They murdered, they destroyed two police stations. They murdered thousands, thousands of people were killed by Black Lives Matters, criminal rioters. They didn't have any permits for their, their riots. Uh, they were endorsed by the White House and still are. In fact, I think that they're responsible for this bogus Christmas uh, video that they put out. So how powerless is that? And, and how, how can you give any credence to anything? People who are advocates of the intersectionality thesis or see the world that way are. These people need to be institutionalized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, David. Listen, um, I, I appreciate your time. What's that? It's been a pleasure. All right, David. Um, I'm, I'm, this is real quick, okay? I promise I'm going to let you go. Thanks. About 10 years ago, when I was hosting a symposium for you, I asked you a question um, about uh, being a second thoughts conservative. And you, and you turned to me and you said, you need to understand, halfway through my life, I lost all my friends. Yeah. Tell me about the second half of your life and why people Better. should not feel, should not hesitate to have second thoughts. I always tell people there's life after divorce. Um, yeah, no, I, I have real friends now. She's different. And the conservatives don't expel you from polite society uh, because you have the wrong opinions on uh, whatever, uh, taxes or abortion or Afghanistan. It is tremendous intellectual diversity among Republicans. They can't agree on anything, hardly. Whereas the left vanishes you. Yeah. That's the end of you. You cross the line. It's a very effective tactic. People are afraid of isolation. Yep. Well, fear is a motivator. Uh, David Horowitz, uh, it's a great honor in my life uh, to call you a friend, and I really appreciate your joining me today. Thank you, Joshua. I enjoy that. Thank you, David. Thank you.